Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 316 of Her, the podcast where you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, her broken bones. Huh? What? What is this about? Well, we have a terrific show coming up. Before we begin, just know that this episode is made possible by our wonderful friends at Smarty Pants Women's Vitamins, the delicious once-a-day gummies that contain all of the essential vitamins, minerals, and omega oils customized just for women. To learn more, hop on over to smartypantsvitamins.com. Now, Here's your first reminder to click on iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show because, honey, I am just waiting to hear from you. It's all about feedback. You know that. I know that. All right. It's time for Her. Her. The podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind. Her body. Her life. It's all about Her. So I started to get a little bit more into Twitter uh, in the last year or so, um, usually I have a team that kind of deals with all of this. And I thought, oh, hell, I'll just put my little hands into it, too. Have some fun. And I'm having a ball. And then up comes this wild and crazy Twitter feed from Nancy MD. I'm like, who the hell is she? And, and these one-liners and two-liners are absolutely a scream. This is the kind of, you know... Uh, humor she's got. So I'm going to read uh, one that just uh, came out recently. Anyone else love it when their octogenarian patients fist bump them? <laughs> Immediately, I'm like loving this one. I'm like, I love that one. It's happened. I can't even begin to tell you how much fun it is when some 80-year-old fist bumps you and you're thinking, huh, what? I want to be like that when I'm 82. And it goes on and on. And I, I looked her up, and sure to form, it's Dr. Nancy Yen Shipley. And I did a little intel and to find out that she is uh, an orthopedic surgeon. Now, this is the part I love because half my friends are orthopedic surgeons. I'm not quite sure why this is happening. It's a trend. It's a thing. Um, some of my best friends from medical school are orthopedic surgeons, male and female. And the females uh, do have some tales to tell, as Dr. Nancy does, too. So she is passionate about sharing her path to medicine with others, in particular, our generation of future physicians. She writes and speaks about these and topics in addition to bone and joint issues. She's got some great stuff on this and produces and hosts her own podcast is 6%, and she'll explain that, with Nancy M.D. She's a mother and a surgeon, a mentor and a champion for women in diversity in surgical specialties and brings awareness to this through speaking engagements, active online presence. She is absolutely a scream, and all I can say is welcome, Dr. Nancy, to the Her Podcast. Thank you. I am so honored to be here. I appreciate you having me on. All right. So why are you so damn funny? Where, where the hell did you get that sense <laughs> of humor? I'm not kidding. You just sort of <laughs> cut to the chase. You know, everyone out there in Twitter land, they're so sweet. And they're like doing little inspirational, you know, quotes from <laughs> Winston Churchill and you know, all this kind of crap. Hey, listen, I've been guilty of it too. But then you just keep, you know, cutting to the chase, kind of going, you know, some... Really, um, 
You, you, some of some of your stuff is hysterical. You even <laughs> dressed up in a red gown um, and like put on makeup and everything, and did the whole like selfie gig while that was going on, so you can go get your your COVID vaccine. That's right. Now that's just crazy. <laughs> so, have you always been like this? You know, um, I I will say I will say yes, and I think maybe all this humor that is coming forth on Twitter is just pent up bottled humorous person coming out because, you know, I, for the past several years, I, ever since I started medical school and then went into practice, I, I felt this conflict with, I'm a surgeon, I'm caring for patients, I'm dealing with serious issues. And, but, you know, I'm also, I love being funny and making people laugh. And, I felt like sometimes it was at odds. And really in the last year or two, I have finally said, you know what? Screw that. I am who I am. I'm going to be a good surgeon. I'm going to be a good doctor to my patients. And I am just going to let my personality be what it is. And so, you know, I have pretty much the entire, my entire life have had this humor of a 12 year old boy and it's still with me. And that definitely, as you can see, comes through on many of my Twitter posts. Now, of course, I'll throw in some inspiration here and there. Also, I like that. But, um, but a a lot of times it's just kind of this, you know, I make public this internal monologue that's happening in my head all the time. What was it like for you to go through um, orthopedic surgery training um, as a as a woman? Well, you know, my my path into orthopedics uh, is a little bit different than some of my peers. I have colleagues who uh, maybe had an injury when they were young, broken bone, and they were inspired by the process, and they've always wanted to go into medicine and always wanted to go into orthopedic surgery. I discovered it late. I mean, I discover a lot of things late. I'm a classic late bloomer. I didn't even start medical school until I was almost 30. Um but when I discovered orthopedics, I was uh, between my first and second year of medical school, just shadowing a, a friend of a family friend. And I spent a week seeing uh, the surgeon replace hips and knees. And I was just blown away by the restoration of function. And so that kind of planted that initial seed. And as a third year medical student, as you know, when we start doing our clinical rotations and spending time in the hospital with the different teams there, I spent time with the orthopedic surgeons and they let me drill. They let me use the mallet. And I was like, this is for me. This is amazing. It just made sense to me. And so... Um, I, I had a very good experience in residency. And of course, you know, I think, I think different programs will give different experiences to everyone. And, and you will talk to some women who had a harder time going through training because of bias, because of, you know, just unfair treatment to women, because there aren't very many of us. As you mentioned, there are only 6%. I personally had a good experience, but maybe what was most surprising to me was leading up to that. And when people would say, oh, well, what kind of specialty, what kind of doctor are you going to go be? And I would say orthopedic surgery. And I had no clue initially that, you know, I think I was a little bit oblivious that the numbers of women were so low. I was like, well, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. Um, And the comments that I got 
leading up to going to orthopedics, going into orthopedics residency was interesting. Um, people would say, girls don't do orthopedics. Are you sure you can do orthopedics? Are you strong enough? Are you tall enough? Are your hands big enough? You know, I mean, you'll never find a husband if you become a surgeon. And, oh, that's not a good specialty for women. You know, I mean, just the comments were uh, off the wall. And 99% of the time, not from other orthopedic surgeons, <laughs> people who weren't even in the field, people who weren't even in medicine. So you can you can see how there's just this perception out there, partly true that there just aren't a lot of women in the field. Um, fortunately, I'm the kind of person when you say don't do that, I say, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I will prove you wrong. I love and it. So, <laughs> you know, I, I had a, a little bit of a different route into orthopedics. But you know, once I got there, I was like, Oh, there's no turning back for me. Cool. Well, I turned you on to one of my dear friends who has been on the uh, podcast. Yes. Her name is Dr. Kay Kirkpatrick. And she was actually co president of uh, probably the largest ortho group in the country, a resurgence uh, down in um, uh, the south in uh, Georgia, but they they covered many states. And um, uh, she and I have known each other for a very long time. She's now the uh, Georgia State Senator. She just got reelected. Um, and she's a, a real ass kicker, which is kind of true to just about anybody who's in my inner circle. <laughs> and remember, she's from Kentucky, so I'm going to kind of go to Kay's place. Um, so she sounds kind of like this. And... Uh, I've, I've, I've gone to Derby with her and we've had way fun. I was in Michigan. So, you know, we were, we weren't too far away from each other. And so, uh, I remember when she was, uh, interviewing for orthopedics at that time, it was something that, you know, just felt good. She wanted to do it. It's all good. And, uh, she graduated, uh, uh, in her medical school at university of Kentucky, Louisville, uh, number one um, in her surgery class. I mean, she had the hands of gold like you do. And so uh, Cincinnati apparently was uh, at that time, either it still is or was or whatever, the, one of the top ortho uh, residencies um, uh, to do. And when she went to um, uh, interview there, this is what happened. She comes walking in the room, the guy's reading um, a paper like a newspaper. This is, you know, a little pre pre iPad. And he doesn't put the paper down when she walks in. So she sits down and, you know, she's sort of sitting there and they, they kind of pulls the paper down a little bit and just enough to look over it. And he said, we have never admitted a woman and we are not starting now. And that was her interview. <laughs> wow. So she calls me. Wow. Why even bother to bring her Dude, down? <laughs> you know, and so so she called oh me and she goes, Pam, now this is, this is her tale of resilience. She goes, Pam, you know, that was, that was not a good experience. So, uh, and, and this was her situation. She goes, that's okay. I know exactly where I'm going to go now. So she interviewed another place. It was fantastic. She got in. Um, she did quite well. Now here's the joke. The guy who got in from her class was ranked number 10. She was number one. And so when she went to do a hand fellowship, the top one in the country was Louisville. So she interviewed at Louisville. She got in and he didn't. <laughs> and so I always say there's like a karma thing. 
you know, and I just said, Kay, hang in there. And uh, needless to say, she went on to become a fantastically successful orthopedic surgeon. Um, but uh, it, it was just listening to little tales like that that, that always, uh, you know, kind of fascinated me. It sounds as though you had a much better experience. I did have a good experience. And of course, that you know, and maybe I'm looking back with rose-colored glasses, there were definitely, definitely times where I had steam coming out of my ears because of what somebody said or what somebody did. And, you know, and, and maybe it's just part of my personality. There are, you know, I, I'm a pick your battles kind of person. And, um, and also, I think part of it is when you're in training, there is this hierarchy. And so it's hard to know when you should speak up and what's going to get you in trouble. Is it going to affect your ability to, you know, do training? And so I've definitely gained wisdom along the way as far as that goes. But, you know, I think that there were some times when I look back and I'd say, you know, there were things that I should have spoken up about, but, it, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Um, you know, and, and I, I will say that a lot of times it's nothing big, but but it is big, you know, because it's all of those small microaggressions over time that uh, lead to a culture in a particular institution not changing and staying static. And so it does take effort to call things out when they should be called out. I will say that, you know, I think that some of my attending surgeons in my program have changed with the times, um, and and I went to uh, I I went to residency in Richmond, Virginia, and so also a, a very it, it's more north than Kentucky, but very southern in personality, and so definitely some old school surgeons who are you know now in their in their seventies and almost eighty. But, um, you know, I think that they had to come around when women started coming in the program. And, they, and, and as I became more senior as a resident, as I became more comfortable in me as a, as a junior surgeon, I became more comfortable also with saying things like, you can't you can't say that, you know, and I think maybe the relationship had had grown between mentee and mentor to where I could, I could speak up and say something like that. And um, I'll tell you one story. I, I actually one of the, the most old school guys there. He's a joint surgeon. He's now semi retired. He was from West Virginia. He had a thick drawl. And uh, he used to be a hard ass on the women like really hard on the women. And and I think through the years, he kind of, you know, so-called softened up, but pretty much treated everybody the same when I went through, uh, but would still make comments and, you know, and you roll your eyes and you kind of move on. And so when we do uh, uh, joint replacements, we often wear the spacesuits, as you know, but, you know, in addition to a surgical gown for your listeners who maybe hasn't, haven't gotten the peek into the OR, we wear the surgical gown and the gloves and all of that, but there's also this big helmet that blows air around your face so you can not, not sweat too much and you can breathe. And then uh, a giant, you know, spacesuit looking hood with a clear front so you can see protects the surgeon from the the blood flying around and and also you know keeps your your stuff away from the field 
And um, when you wear those, because it's it covering your entire head, you don't have to wear a surgical mask. You can actually see somebody's lips move when they're talking to you in the OR when you're doing doing a procedure that's wearing the spacesuit. And um, I remember I was operating with him. We were doing a knee replacement. He was checking my work and he said, Nancy, I think you're going to be a mighty fine knee surgeon. Really great compliment, you know, and, um, and, you know, and I, I, it made me feel great. But I said, thank you. And then I just to give him a little jab, because he's always, you know, otherwise making comments about the girls and, you know, teasing us about not being strong enough. I also said, by the way, Dr. Cardea, do you know why I really like wearing this spacesuit? And he goes, <laughs> no, why? And I said, because it doesn't mess up my lipstick. Oh, no, no, no. You didn't go to that place. Oh, rabbit. I did. Rabbit hole. I did. Man, I'm telling you right now. Oh, no. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and of course, I said it with a big smile on my face and just jabbing him a little bit. And and he throws down his instruments. And and this is all in good fun, actually, in jest. But he was like, he said, GD, I knew I never should have let you girls into this program. You're ruining Ah. everything. (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right. Now I got to tell you another story. So this is another K story. So so Kay calls me up. I get a little phone call, and it goes, uh, Pam, it's Kay. And I say, okay, now, what's going on? It's like the evening. What's that, what, What's happening? I thought you had a party going on over there. And she goes, yes, I'm having, I'm hosting my first party um, as, you know, a major member of this, this orthopedic group down here. Now, she lives in Marietta. <clears throat> and uh, she says, I have a little question for you. She always asks me these, you know, like advice and, and whatever. So I said, well, what's going on? I mean, you know, you I understand it's it's lovely and a lot of people over there and whatever. She goes, yes, but here's the situation. I'm the only woman orthopedic surgeon. My husband, you know, that's Tom, as an uh, ER physician. And so she said, all the, all the orthopedic surgeons are over there in one part of the house, you know, talking war stories, you know, like you usually do. You know, we're awful, you know. Uh, my, my background, by the way, is, is internal medicine and critical care. And so, you know, I would just like go to my people, my tribe. <laughs> and, and she says, but all the women want to talk to me. <laughs> right. So she says, Am I supposed to be talking to the wives or am I supposed to be talking to the orthopedic? All right. So now, Nancy, is she calling what you, would you do? Is she in calling that situation? you mid party for a consult? Oh, not even mid, honey. We're talking like in the early part of the party. She goes, Oh, I'm panicking. Now, if I go with the women, then the men think I'm like a, some stupid ass woman, you know, who's just sort of hanging with her. If I go with the men, then the women get all pissed off because I'm not with. With them. So what would you do, Nancy? I'm going to throw that up to you. I, I bounce around because I like talking war <laughs> stories. I love talking shop, even when I'm, you know, supposed to be at a cocktail party and having fun when the, you know, back in the days when we used to have a cocktail party. Um, but, you know, I, I like to bounce around and I think, it, you know, it sort of speaks to what um, the modern definition of being a woman and modern definition of femininity really should be is that, you know, we, we can embrace all the different parts of ourselves and the different, different qualities 
whether they're traditionally more feminine or traditionally more masculine and be okay with it, you know, and I think that's something that in in my mind took several years going through residency and being in this space to reconcile for myself. But, you know, I think I would, I would be bouncing around. I'm also, I also really uh, love socializing and am a little bit of a social butterfly in that situation. So, you know, I, I, I like hovering around, and so you would find me with the guys in and in a space that I'm perfectly comfortable in talking shop. And then I will walk over and I'll talk to the ladies and see what we have in common. And maybe we're talking shoes or that lipstick that I like to wear during arthroplasty. And so, you know, I'm all over the place. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. How'd you end up in Portland? You know, um, I grew up in on the West Coast in Southern California and uh, traveled all the way to Philly for medical school, then down to Richmond, Virginia for training. I met my husband in Philadelphia, and we both did our training in Richmond, Virginia. He's critical care, by the way. And um, mm. then when it came time to look for work, um, we said, okay, well, you know, naturally, we should go look in California. We looked in Northern California and Southern California, and at the time... The jobs were just not that attractive. There was so much, you know, all the Californians leave and then they all want to go back to California. So there's all this competition. And we started to think about quality of life, commuting time, cost of real estate. And coming from Richmond, where we as as residents with our resident salary, were able to buy a little house, our first home at, you know, prices that are a fraction of um, those in California, in the major metropolitan areas, it was very hard to go back to California and fathom how we would ever be able to buy a home. This is the craziness, like two doctors are wondering how they would ever buy a home in California. And we're like, this is not the craziness we want to put ourselves into and um, or raise our son here, you know, now son here. We didn't know we were having a son because we're not psychic, but, you know, like we, we knew we wanted eventually to, to have a family. And so we said, okay, well, let's at least look at some adjacent states. And so we looked at two very similar cities, Portland, Oregon, and Phoenix, Arizona. Um, <laughs> Huh? What? <laughs> and um. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> Gosh, they were so different. Um, and we just felt like Portland spoke to us so much more. My husband, um, when we were in, living in Richmond, was looking at you know eating meats that were cleaner and free range. And everybody in Richmond looked at us like we had two heads. And then it was right around the the time that Portlandia came out, where they had the they were naming the chicken. In. I don't know if you oh, remember that yes. episode. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was right when we were out here and um, we went to a restaurant and we were looking at the menu. It's like, this is free range. It's sourced from Draper Farms and blah, blah, blah. And, and he was like, I, I think I've found my home. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I, you know, I got to tell you, I'm from San Francisco. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. girlfriend, I can tell you stories. Um, and my parents mm-hmm. um, eventually <laughs> ended up in um, first Palm Springs and then in Huntington Beach. And, uh, you know, uh, as, a, as a Californian, I went to Berkeley um, and then I ended up in the Midwest and then finally in the East Coast, um, did my uh, residency at GW um, in Washington, D.C. and then ended up in the uh, National Institutes of Health. 
And what's really interesting is that I thought about going back to California and then uh, I saw what was happening back there. Um, it's a, you know, a blank storm uh, right now. And, <laughs> and it's just crazy. And I, it's just too much. And uh, for all the reasons you brought up, it breaks my heart to see my, my state kind oh, of yeah. devolve into all this craziness. Mm -hmm. But, but then wait a minute, didn't, didn't like Antifa take over Portland or something? <laughs> <laughs> you know that that was a very wide perception i had people calling me from all over the country my friends saying are you okay and i'm like look it is a very small concentrated area of of kind of chaos that had had been happening you know that it would got very bad and it had been happening nightly um for a while through the summer and and beyond and i was like but you know what like it actually takes effort to find yourself in the middle of that. And so I'm like, I'm safe. I'm okay. You know, it is, it is a little scary to have that just a couple of miles away. But, but, you know, people have this perception that Portland just has like, you know, Antifa roaming everywhere. And it's not, it's kind of, it's, it's pretty concentrated or it was pretty concentrated. And so, no, we're, we're not like this, this land of complete and utter lawlessness it actually <laughs> i don't know i thought it was, I, I thought it was like road warrior <laughs> out there or something you guys are like rolling down the street and totally mad maxing it out with the hair and the whole thing hey let me i, I want to really pivot to your podcast why did you start this podcast and why is it called six percent so the seed was planted years ago. I remember I was in residency and, and it finally, you know, duh, it took me a little while, but it finally occurred, huh? Well, not a lot of women around here. Um, and I was going through an airport and I saw an airline captain uh, getting ready to, you know, head to her gate. And uh, I could tell because she had all the stripes on her shoulder. And I wanted to flag her down and just say, oh my gosh, can we please go grab a cup of coffee? I, I would normally say a glass of wine, but you know, I'm like, I don't want to put wine in you. You're about to fly plane. Um, but you know, can we please go grab a cup of coffee? I would love to hear your story and your path. And was it anything like mine? And, and I just started thinking about how there are a number of different fields out there where there aren't a lot of women. And even if they're disparate, very different fields, we often have these common paths. And how cool would it be to be able to talk to these women? And fast forward years, decades later, um, as I started to think about this more, and I personally started to listen to more podcasts, I was thinking, you know, that would actually make for a really interesting podcast concept. And of course, I have zero, zero idea as of, you know, even like a, a year and a half ago, I had no idea how to even start a podcast. And so I just started Googling and getting information. I'm like, well, I think I need a microphone. Huh, I think I need, you know, a webcam and, and started getting the equipment that I needed. And, um, I, I am plagued constantly, like a lot of women in, you know, highly educated positions uh, by imposter syndrome. I was like, who am I? Who am I to do this? I don't know anything about this, you know, and, and really talked myself out of it so many times. But, you know, in the background, I, I love using Trello as kind of a planning, you know, virtual 
whiteboard and I had started to collect information. I started to make a wish list of people that I would love to talk to. And when COVID hit in 2020, um, and as it was, you know, as we were kind of getting shut down, my elective surgeries all got put on hold, all but the most urgent cases got put on hold. And I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs, worrying about the world, worrying about public health, um, the safety of our family and my husband in critical care. And like, after about a week of being down in the dumps and just sitting here twiddling my thumbs, feeling sorry for me and everybody else in the world, I said, you know, um, maybe since I don't have anything else to do right now, I should look into launching this podcast. And so I started to call people, cold call people, ask everyone I know, hey, do you know anyone who would fit this description who would love to be on my podcast? And just started reaching out even on Twitter. I would message people like, hey, I'm starting this podcast. It's about women in male-dominated fields. Would you like to be a guest? And I like before I even knew it, I had lined up uh, almost a full two seasons worth of guests, knocked out two seasons worth of recording, and I hadn't even launched yet. <laughs> and so um, in the process of coming up with a name, um, I ended up arriving at the 6% with Nancy MD. And the 6% comes from one of the quoted figures of the percentage of women practicing in orthopedics. Now, if all goes as planned, that number will no longer be 6%, and it'll be 10, it'll be 20, you know, whatever it ends up being, but uh, maybe I'll have to change my podcast name then. But, um, but that's how I arrived at that. And, you know, I talked to women during that time who normally would not have time to talk to little old me. And it was just one of those perfect storms where I, you know, Major League Baseball was on hold. So I talked to a Major League Baseball coach, Rachel Balkovec, you know, and, and business travel was put on hold. So I got to talk to a pair of women VCs from Bavestria and just a lot of women who were so amazing and I would be interviewing them and, and it was very natural um, just flowing through the interview because even though I had never done this before, uh, because I had so many questions for them. I'm like, I have questions for you. So it, it just ended up working out and I discovered that I really, really love the process and I love um, doing podcast interviews and, you know, finding my own voice as well. And so now I've finished recording season three, half of season four, and I plan to keep going. Okay, this is fantastic. And then I think you were telling me before we went on that you also have a book that you're putting together right now. And uh, it's really going to reflect a lot of uh, what this is about, um, as well as your own journey, right? Absolutely. No title as of yet. It is uh, definitely a work in progress. But it's basically an offshoot of some of the topics that we talk about on my podcast. And we discuss everything from fear and taking the leap pivoting, imposter syndrome, um, leveling up from being just good or being just great to living at our genius levels. And so I realized as I started to talk to more and more of these women that there are so many good pearls 
You know, there's so much good advice in there. And I love having it out there in podcast form. But wouldn't that be so cool to have it in book format. And so I started to think about that concept. And now I'm, I'm trying to multitask and juggle all the different commitments that I have, and also write a book. <laughs> Fantastic. Well done. Well done. You know, um, as we close this up, Tell me, um, what would you say to a young woman out there in the Herb podcast land who's considering um, being a doctor and a surgeon? What would you, what, what insight, what words of wisdom would you impart um, in the Nancy MD way? I would say that it's important to have a good finger on the pulse of what your core values are. And not just in reference to becoming a physician and becoming a surgeon, but if you do that work internally, and it can be just for yourself, you don't have to share it with anyone else, you identify what values are most important to you in your life, then as you move forward and you choose your career, you choose where you work, you choose whether you decide to be in an academic setting or private practice setting or whatnot, your, your core values, if you use that as uh, you reflect everything against your core values, then it's going to help you make the right choices. And so I always tell people to just make sure you know what's important to you in life. Because you, when we go through medicine, I feel like a lot of times there is this straight and narrow path that we are supposed to fall, uh, fall into and follow where you, you go to school. You pick your residency, you find a job, and then you are, quote unquote, just a doctor. And there is so much more to living and being fulfilled than that. And of course, it's a big calling, but, and it's not that you have to do 5 million things, but know that you can be more, not in the sense that it overwhelms you, but you can be more in that if you listen to those values, then you will end up practicing your, your craft, um, living your life in a way where you will look back and be proud of what you've created, what you've done, and the legacy that you leave behind. I love it. This is fantastic. Put that in the damn book. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, when this podcast goes live, you might want to write every single thing down that you just said. And I did that for a reason. Um, because I, I, I there's, a, you know, it's really nice when you have to say something succinctly, um, how you just package mm -hmm. and bundle it all. And I thought that you really said that from the heart, um, which, which is just killer, um, all the way around. How can people learn more about your work? Well, as you mentioned, I am definitely on Twitter. My social media handles are underscore Nancy MD. So at underscore Nancy MD on Twitter and Instagram. I also have a YouTube channel and you can also find me at my website, www.nancymd.com. Well, wait a minute now. What about your podcast? 
that my podcast is there too. <laughs> okay, excellent. We yeah. talked well, talk so much about it. I forgot about it. Yes, the I know, 6 you're for like, 70 oh, CMD. Oh, that. <laughs> oh, um, yes, <yeah>. that. <laughs> so I have yes. uh, in my little pocket casts, I, I subscribe to that. Um, I downloaded yours. Um, and there awesome. it is with your lovely picture um, and uh, the 6%. So make sure that you run on over there and listen to uh, Nancy as well, because I think you're going to learn a lot, needless to say. So it, it's so cool to have on a female orthopedic surgeon who just sounds totally with it. Someone who is just, <laughs> you know, gets it, has a great sense of humor, is so damned articulate. Um, I love it. And so everyone out there, we've been talking to Dr. Nancy Yen. Shipley, and she's an orthopedic surgeon. And are you part of a practice? Or are you in uh, what kind of a situation you got out there in Portland? Yes, I am a partner in uh, the group in a group called Multnomah Orthopedic Clinic, Multnomah Orthopedic Clinic. Um, and there are three of us, myself, my foot and ankle partner, Dr. Natalie Minier, and my uh, adult reconstruction, that's total hips, total knees, uh, Dr. Gus Fisher. So we practice here in Portland, Oregon and serve the greater area here. All right, rock on with your broken bones. What can I say? <laughs> See, that's the way you that's what you should call it. Um, you know how they have breaking bad? You should have just breaking bones. Seriously. <laughs> we'll, we'll I just, just think that that's cool. We'll just steal their steal their branding and we'll just change it to Dude, bones. <laughs> run with it, you know. I mean, come on, people do this all day long. All right, everyone out there, seriously, we have been talking to Dr. Nancy Shipley. She is just way cool. And one of the major reasons why I wanted you to hear from her is because she is so wonderful. I mean, just listen to her. And can you imagine her being your mentor if you were going through medical school? Can you imagine her explaining her life and her experience um, to be able to help inform people who want to be inspired and motivated? Hell yeah. So listen, keep rocking on with your bad self and everyone else out there, please take a minute, hit iTunes, rate and review the show because I want to hear from you. Why? Because I'm Dr. Pam Peak, host of the Her Podcast. Follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peak, Twitter at Pam Peak MD, and Instagram at Pam Peak MD as well. And remember to catch every flipping episode of the Herb Podcast on iTunes or Radio MD. Thanks for listening today. Hey, listen, stay safe and stay well. <laughs>